0: Okay, so Mark chapter 1, this is 13 to 17. Jesus calls Levi and eats with sinners. And we're going to begin reading from verse 13. So Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. Let's just stop there. Isn't that amazing? Whenever Jesus sees a crowd, does he sort of run away from them? No, when Jesus sees a crowd, he loves them and he wants to teach them. And that is what Jesus wants to do this morning. There's a bit of a crowd of us here. And what does Jesus want to do this morning? Anyone know? He wants to teach us, every single one of us. He wants to speak to us. And I don't know why the large crowd came to Jesus. There's probably lots of reasons why this large crowd came to Jesus. Some of them maybe wanted to be healed. Some of them wanted maybe demons to be cast out to them. Some of them maybe wanted food. Some of them wanted to see Jesus perform a miracle. And I don't know why you're here this morning. Why are you here this morning? Maybe you're here out of habit. Maybe you're here out of guilt. Maybe your mum and dad have forced you to be here. Maybe you're here this morning because you're lonely. There's lots of reasons why you're here this morning. But Jesus wants to speak to us. He wants to teach us. And then what did we read in verse 14 then? The first half of verse 14. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, Sitting at the tax collector's booth. What was the name of the man? Levi. Do you know anyone called Levi? Oh, you do. It is a bit of a popular name now, isn't it? Levi's come a bit more popular. I wonder if it might have looked a little bit like this. As he, that's Jesus, walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. So, who's that by there? What do you think that, that is? is? Jesus, yeah. And who's that by there, sitting down? down yes, there. Levi. Levi, that's right. So, we read, as Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, taxes are a good thing. They are a good thing. And we all pay taxes. Some of us who are employed pay income tax. Some of us pay uh, council tax. And you know, every time you buy something, you pay tax. Even if you bought some sweets, it's taxed. It's called value added tax, VAT. Some of the money that you pay for your food and your drink, some of it goes to the government. Some of the money that your parents make for working, it goes to the government. The money that we pay for living where we are, the council tax, it goes to the local council. And that is good. Taxes are good because we get good things in return. We get the police. We get the fire service. We get hospitals. We get schools. And we get roads. So taxes are good, aren't they? Could you imagine if we didn't have... The police, if we didn't have the fire service, if we didn't have hospitals, schools, if we didn't have roads, if we didn't have parks. Taxes are good, aren't they? We get good things for paying taxes. But you know what? 2,000 years ago in Israel, tax collectors worked for the Romans. Now, the Roman Empire. So people in Israel had to pay taxes to this big empire called Rome. And you know what? They didn't get a lot in return. They had to pay a lot of tax, but they weren't getting a lot in return. Do you think they felt happy paying a lot of tax and not getting anything in return? So I want you to imagine a small country, because Israel is a tiny little country about the size of Wales. Could you imagine a small country, and England is not a huge country, so I want you to imagine England. We all live in England, don't we? Could you imagine if we had to pay lots of tax to a very big country like America or Russia or China and we weren't getting much in return? You wouldn't be happy, would you? No, you wouldn't. And would you be happy with a tax collector? you think, you're a traitor. You're an Englishman. You're one of us you're taking our money and you're giving it to America or Russia or China and we're getting hardly anything in return. Look, we haven't got any parks, we haven't got nice roads, we haven't got hospitals, we haven't got police, we haven't got the fire service. So people didn't like tax collectors. So Levi wasn't very liked, was he? Probably didn't have any friends. Isn't that sad? So when people saw Levi... They would cross the road. Nobody would give him a hug. Nobody would shake his hands. Nobody would eat with him. If they saw him coming, they would probably sort of whisper. They'd point. They'd say things about him. Could you imagine that? Nobody likes you. I'm sure all of you have got friends here this morning. But could you imagine if you didn't have one friend? Nobody loved you. Nobody spoke to you. Nobody wanted to be near you. And tax collectors usually behaved in a very bad way. Now I'm going to show you a picture of a very famous tax collector. And I wonder if any of you might know who this man might be. He's a very famous tax collector. And I'll give you a clue. He's quite a short man. And what's he done there? He's climbed up a tree, a sycamore tree. And that is Jesus walking by. Who do you think that could be? Yes, Sophie. Zacchaeus, excellent. That's right, that is little Zacchaeus who climbed up a tree so he could see Jesus. And you know what? Zacchaeus did some bad things. He cheated people. He would tell people, do you know what? You have to pay some taxes. And maybe the person only had to pay a £100 tax. But he would say, you have to pay £200 tax. And he would give £100 to the Roman Empire and he would put the other £100 in his pocket. What do you think of that? That's not good, is it? They were cheaters, the tax collectors. And Matthew was probably the same as Zacchaeus. Do you think so? If Zacchaeus did it, I think a lot of the tax collectors did that. They cheated people. They took money from people when they weren't supposed to. And I suppose in our day I suppose if we lived 2,000 years ago in Israel we wouldn't like tax collectors we would maybe sort of be angry with them. We wouldn't want to be friends with them. I suppose the tax collectors of today are the worst criminals the scum of the earth, low life of society maybe people like drug dealers or con men we would sort of want to stay away from them we wouldn't like tax collectors today tax collectors were horrible people and nobody liked them now if you look at our picture again as Jesus walked along he saw Levi son of Alpheus sitting at the tax collectors booth now what was Levi like was he a nice man yes nope. No. What was Levi like? Yes? No, no, he was a horrible person. He was a traitor, wasn't he? He was a cheater. Nobody liked Levi. So when Jesus saw Levi, what do you think Jesus was going to do with Levi? Do you think Jesus was going to tell him, Levi, you're a bad man, and I've come to punish you? You'd think maybe Jesus would do that, wouldn't you? Because Jesus knew Levi's heart. He knew what he was like. He knew that he was a cheat. He knew that he was a traitor. But what does Jesus do? Look at this. A different picture for us now. Verse 14 in our Bibles. As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And I love that picture. That is Levi there. Look at him. He's shocked, isn't he? Jesus has told him, Levi, follow me. And look at Levi. He's shocked, isn't he? He said, what? Me? You want me to follow you? And you can almost imagine maybe Levi saying, Jesus, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I'm like? And Jesus was like, yeah, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know what you're like. But I want you to follow me. Isn't that just a lovely picture? Now, there were lots of followers, lots of people who followed Jesus. There were 72 disciples who followed Jesus. But there were also 12 very close disciples of Jesus called apostles. And Levi became one of the apostles, one of Jesus's twelve closest friends, one of his closest sort of team members. Isn't that amazing? And Levi was also given a new name. Jesus gave him a new name called Matthew, which means gift of God. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, And I'm going to change your name. You're a gift of God. Isn't that wonderful? And God used Levi, or Matthew, to write the first book in the New Testament. Someone who was a tax collector, a horrible traitor. So Jesus was basically telling Levi, Levi, I want you to be one of my closest friends. Yes, you, a tax collector, a cheater, a traitor. I want you to be one of my closest friends and I want you to join my team. Isn't that incredible? Now, we've seen that Jesus called fishermen, and we were surprised, weren't we, that Jesus called fishermen to be his closest friends, to be part of his close team. But we're even more surprised that Jesus has chosen Matthew or Levi the tax collector, a traitor and a cheater, to be one of his closest friends, to be part of his close team. Now, I don't know if you still do this. When I was in school, break time, the first thing everyone would shout would be, pick teams! And someone would have a football. Someone would be running out with the football I say, pick teams. And then the two best football players in our class which was Andrew and David. We had another David in our class. So Andrew and David were the captains, because they were the best players. And then they would take it in turns, picking teams. And I'm not bragging, but I'd usually be the first one to be picked. So I was probably like the third best player in our class. Third, third or fourth? Yeah, probably third or fourth. Some sort of in between, maybe. So then sort of Andrew would say, I want David. And then the other David would say, oh, I want Arlet." And then Andrew would say, oh, I want Elgan. Some strange names, aren't they? <laughs> and every day, the last people to be picked were Martin and Eirig. That's another strange name, isn't it? Every single day without fail, Martin and Eirig were picked last. And I felt quite sorry for them. The last to be picked every single day. Do you know what Jesus would have done? He'd have picked Martin or Eric first, wouldn't he? He'd have picked them first. I want you to be part of my team. You're not going to be last to get picked. Now, in the book of Mark, we've seen Jesus change the life of a man with a terrible sort of skin disease. And this morning, we've read about Jesus changing the life of a man who was paralysed. He couldn't walk. All he could do was lie on a mat. Jesus changed his life. And now, we've seen Jesus change the life of a horrible criminal whom everyone hated. Now, why on earth did Jesus want Levi to be one of his closest friends? Why on earth did Jesus want Levi to be part of his team? Levi, this sort of low life, this despised person. Well, it's interesting to note that Jesus calls Levi, not when he's praying, not when he's in the temple worshipping, not when he's doing something good. And I think this is so powerful. Jesus calls Levi when he's in the middle of sinning, when he's in the middle of counting money, That he's cheated people from. Isn't that such a powerful thing? As he's in the middle of sinning, Jesus calls him. And the Bible tells us while we were still sinners, God loved us and sent his son to die for us. While you were committing the worst sin that you've ever committed, please just think about that for a minute. What's the worst thing that you've ever done? What's the worst thing you've ever said? Maybe you've been cheeky to your mum and dad. And it really upset them. Maybe it made them cry. What's the worst thing you've ever said? What's the worst thing you've ever thought? In your head. While you were doing the worst thing you've ever done. While you were saying the worst thing you've ever said. While you were thinking the worst thing you've ever thought. Jesus loved you. And he died for you. Jesus came to save Sinners, Not good people. He came to save sinners. He came to save messed up, hopeless, helpless, worthless, scared and broken people like me and like you. So we must never look down on people, should we? And we should always welcome everyone who comes into this church. I want you to imagine if the worst person in Binfield, or the worst person in Bracknell, or the worst person in Berkshire came to this church. Maybe we'd read about him in the newspaper, or seen him on the news. And can you just imagine, maybe he's walking down Chapel Lane, and he's coming towards the church, and he reaches the steps... And whoever's on the door, maybe he sees John on the door and he says, can I come in? And John says, yeah, of course, come in. No, will I really be welcome in here? And John says, yeah, come in. (coughs) No, but do you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. But do you know what I've done? Yeah, we know what you've done. Do you know what I'm like? Yeah, we know what you're like. Come in. This is the best place for you to come. Isn't it? The church of Jesus Christ is the best place for the worst people in the world to come. So they can have their lives changed. They can hear good news. There's no better place for you to be than here. This is where you belong, isn't it? I'm sure you've heard of the saying that churches shouldn't be a museum of saints but a hospital for sinners, isn't it? For sort of messed up, hopeless, helpless, broken, scared people like us, isn't it? That's what the church is, a hospital for sinners. So what happened next? Do you think uh, Levi followed Jesus sort of right at the back? Was he maybe sort of twelfth in line? <laughs> Did Levi have to follow Jesus from a distance? Did Jesus sort of never really speak to Levi again? No, what happened next? Well, he had a party with him pretty much. What do we read in verse 15? What do we read there? While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. So it might have looked a bit like that. Isn't that a nice picture? So Jesus basically having a party with Levi, who's just become a follower of Jesus, and also some other sinners and tax collectors were there as well. So when we become a follower of Jesus, he really wants to be part of our lives. He doesn't tell us, Oh, follow me at the distance. And maybe I'll never speak to you again. Jesus really wants us to enjoy everything with him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wants us to enjoy everything good with him. Because Jesus created everything that's good. Everything good has been created for us to enjoy with Jesus. I don't know if any of you have seen uh, this plaque. Maybe some of the older people have seen this. Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. Do you know when I was a little boy, I used to be scared of that. That was like the original elf on the shelf. <laughs> and, um, and whenever I was maybe naughty in someone's house, they'd say, uh-uh-uh, they'd point to that. Who's watching? Jesus is watching. I'd oh <laughs> no." But that's not what it's supposed to be like, is it? I love that plaque, you know, and I want to get one. Isn't that great? Because sometimes when we have a meal, we pray before meals, don't we? Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. And then we just get on with it, don't we? But Jesus should still be part of the conversation. We should still be speaking to him, isn't it? Throughout the meal, isn't it? He wants to be part of everything with us. Throughout the day, we should be constantly talking to him. And throughout the day, we should be constantly maybe listening to him, isn't it? Thinking about words that he said to us. Now, I've got a friend called uh, Jimmy. And he's from Scotland, believe it or not. And he grew up on a farm. And uh, he did a degree in Edinburgh University in geology. And he became a missionary in India. And now he's got his own business as a builder in Swansea, and he's an elder of a church in Swansea. And Jimmy is one of the people who I think knows that Jesus is real more than anyone else that I know. Because Jimmy is always talking to Jesus, always, throughout the day. And it's just so natural with him. Like sometimes when I'd go and see Jimmy and I'd speak to him and he'd say, oh, let's just go for a walk. Me, you and Jesus, let's go for a walk together. And then Jimmy would be talking to me, I'd be talking to him. And then sometimes he'd just bring Jesus into the conversation. So if I'd sort of share a problem or something and he'd say, well, Jesus, you've just listened to my uh, brother Dav saying what his problems are. I don't know what to say to him. Well, what do you think I should say to him, Jesus. And you'd think that maybe he'd be nuts, wouldn't you? Or schizophrenic. No, but he's a responsible man. He's he's an elder of a church. He's got his own business. He's got a wife, children, and grandchildren. He's got a degree. He's not crazy. It's just that Jesus is real to him. Far more real to him than probably is to me, I'm ashamed to say. He's always talking to him. He's got a relationship with Jesus. Jesus isn't just something on a Sunday for him. Jesus isn't just something first thing in the morning, last thing at night for him. Jesus isn't just something for him before mealtimes, throughout the day. He's spending time with him. And I think it's important to remember that Jesus isn't saying that sin is okay by spending time with sinners and tax collectors. Now, Jesus was calling them to be free from a life of sin. Because sometimes we can fall into a trap, can't we? Sometimes we can say, well, I'm going to try and stay away from, people's, from people whose life is particularly sinful to try and keep myself pure. Have you heard of someone say that? I'm going to stay away from sinners to keep myself pure. Or sometimes it's the other extreme, isn't it? Sometimes people can become so involved in the world... In an attempt to witness to the world. That they become like the world. No the call of Jesus is. Come and follow me. And leave your life of sin. Isn't it? He calls us to be in the world. But not of the world. Now we all know that. um, George loves diving. Have you been diving recently? Not, Not for a while yeah. But you love diving don't you? And George is. A human being, isn't he? (laughs) But he goes into the sea where the fish are, isn't it? So George is in the sea, but he doesn't become a sea creature, does he? (laughs) He's still a human being. So we are in the world, but not of the world, isn't it? George is always a human being when he's in the sea. (laughs) He's completely different from the fish, the sea creatures. (laughs) And that should be the same of us. We're in this world, but we should be completely different from people who don't know Jesus. We should shine so brightly. It should be that much of a difference between a human being and a sea creature, almost, isn't it? We should stand out that obviously. Now, this party at Levi's house is attended not only by Jesus and his disciples, but also... By those who aren't followers of Jesus yet. So Levi becomes an evangelist straight away. What is an evangelist? Well, someone who tells the good news, isn't it? An evangelist is someone who introduces other people to Jesus. Now Levi, he didn't need to sort of read a book on how to introduce others to Jesus, did he? He didn't need to go on a conference. He didn't need to do a course. What does Levi do? He basically says, come to my house for dinner and meet the man who's changed my life forever. And that is just true, honest and powerful evangelism. We can all do that, can't we? Come to my house for a meal. Because I'd like to introduce you to someone who's changed my life forever. Or come and have a coffee with me. I'd like to have a chat with you about someone who's changed my life forever. Now, evangelism, introducing other people to Jesus, is always accompanied with opposition. Do you find that? I'm sure we've tried to tell people about Jesus this week. And then, completely out of the blue, there's an attack, isn't there? Because the devil hates it when we tell other people about Jesus. And that's what happened in verse 16, isn't it? What do we read there? When the teachers of the law... Who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So the religious leaders think that Jesus associating with the apparent dregs of society was just distasteful and inappropriate. They're saying, That's just so wrong that you're associating with these dregs of society, these sinners and tax collectors. But it's interesting, the Pharisees, they didn't have the nerve, did they, to actually speak to Jesus about it, so they they spoke to the disciples instead. But then, I love this, sort of Jesus just wades in, doesn't he? Jesus just jumps in with an answer that his own disciples won't have been able to provide, and they wouldn't have maybe provided it with the same power And clarity. And this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, isn't it? Mark chapter 2, verse 17. This is how Jesus answers the question of those religious hypocrites who say, It's disgusting that you're hanging around with sinners and tax collectors. What do we read there? This is a great verse, isn't it? Can you see that? That's a stethoscope, isn't it? The doctors were. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the health you need a doctor but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Isn't that such an amazing verse? Such a powerful verse. And this is the clearest answer to the question of who Jesus is and why did he come? Who is Jesus and why did he come? Who is Jesus and why did he come? Well, we might think He's a teacher who came to teach. And that is true, isn't it? We might think Jesus is a leader who called people to follow him. Or thirdly, a friend of sinners who ate with them. And they're all true, but you can't miss out this one. This is the most important one. Who is Jesus and why did he come? Jesus is the divine doctor, the doctor from God, who came to heal those who are sick in sin. Isn't that so powerful? Jesus came to heal those who are sick in sin. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law thought it was impossible for the Messiah to be friends with sinners and eat with them. So the Pharisees thought that tax collectors and sinners were supposed to be hated. But what does Jesus say? No, no. Sinners and tax collectors aren't to be hated, they're to be pitied. They're to be pitied. They're sick in their sin and they need a doctor for their souls. They need a saviour. Now, if we don't accept that we're unwell, then we won't be healed by a doctor, will we? The first sort of step to being made well by a doctor is to accept that we're unwell, isn't it? Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I was coughing quite badly, and I was coughing up phlegm that was sort of bright green yellow. We're about to have our lunch? Sorry about that. And um, I had sort of pain in my chest, I had headache, and I was aching all over, and I had a really high temperature, like nearly 40 degrees or something. And uh, Hannah was saying, you need to go to a doctor, you're ill. (laughs) I said, oh, it's just a a common cold or a a flu. All I need is like a couple of days in bed and I'll be all right. But it got even worse. (laughs) You know, the phlegm got even brighter. (laughs) And and I could hardly breathe. I was like, when I was breathing, it was wheezy. And you could sort of, and there was this pain in my chest. And I thought, oh, there is something wrong here. And I went to the doctor, and what did they say? You've got a bacterial chest infection. You need antibiotics. Why didn't you come sooner? (laughs) Oh, I thought it was just a common cold or or a flu. No, this is no flu. This is bacterial chest infection, and you need antibiotics. But the first step was to admit, okay, Hannah, yeah, I am ill. I need help, isn't it? If we don't accept that we are sick in our sin, we won't be healed from our sin. And how does Jesus heal us from our sin? Or what do we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 24? He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. By his wounds, you were healed. Because Jesus was wounded for us on the cross, we can be healed from our sin. Do you know, um, sometimes when someone is bitten by a poisonous snake, have you ever seen anyone being bitten by a poisonous snake? Maybe on television or something, or heard about it, or read about it. So could you imagine that if you were bitten by a poisonous snake? What someone might do, someone who really loved you, what they would do, they would go up to the wound, and they would... They would suck the poison out to try and save you. And that is kind of what Jesus did. We've got a poison in us, which is sin. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he sucked up our sin for us. He took the punishment for us. He was perfect. He was sinless. But he sucked up our sin on that cross. He carried our sin in his body on the cross. So we could be healed from sin. So, then to close, and thank you, boys and girls, you've been Haven't they been good? You've been listening so good. But I'm going to close with a very important point now. What's involved in following Jesus? So, here's the question Are you a follower of Jesus? And I don't think everyone here this morning is a follower of Jesus yet. But you don't have to leave this place this morning without becoming a follower of Jesus. So what's involved in following Jesus? Well, firstly, we have to accept that we're sick in sin. You have to believe that you are a sinner, that we are sick in sin, that we are rebels, and that we deserve to be punished for our sins. And then secondly, we have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Do you believe that Jesus took the punishment instead of you? On that cross. And then thirdly, we have to leave our sin and share our lives with Jesus. So that's repenting, leaving our sin, just like Levi did. He left his life of sin, isn't it? Cheating people from their money, and he followed Jesus. And I wonder if someone will do that this morning. If someone will say, I'm going to stop being cheeky to my mum and dad. I'm going to stop taking things that maybe don't belong to me. I'm going to start loving God. I want to really follow God. I want to turn away from my sin. And I believe, Jesus, that you died for me on that cross to take the punishment for all my sin. And I want to really share my life with you. I want you to run my life for me. I want you to be my king.